be looking in Mark chapter 10 tonight, a message I call on the Jericho Road. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus. Now, some of you have heard that pronounced other ways. This is the way I pronounce it, <laughs> okay? And uh, if I tried to pronounce it any other way, I would say it four different ways tonight. So I'm going to stick with what I learned today as Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. We have before us tonight this famous encounter with Jesus on the Jericho Road with Bartimaeus. If you have ever made a tour to the Holy Land, then you know about the Jericho Road. Because the chances are you were either in Jerusalem and went down to Jericho, or you were coming up from uh, Tel Aviv and went around and came down through Jericho perhaps and uh, then went up to Jerusalem but it seemed like most of the trips go from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It's interesting that the Jericho Road is today exactly where it was centuries ago. Uh, this is very rugged, very mountainous country. It leads to the place known as the Valley of the shadow of death according to our tour guide and it has to be true because tour guides always tell you the truth it's kind of like the internet and Facebook uh, but I could understand why that it was such a place because there were many places we were in a tour bus some of you have been in this there were many places where this was one of those European style tour buses where the front tires are uh, way way back into the body and the driver in the first several seats uh, were sitting out actually in front of the front tires on the bus. That sounds odd, but uh, look it up, you can see them. I picked a bad day to be in the front of the bus because there were many of those turns on the Jericho Road where the front of the bus was swinging out over a sheer drop hundreds of feet straight down. It was a narrow road. Many, many turns. 
was uh, picked out, no doubt, because it was the easiest way to get through that area. That's the way those mountain roads were created. I learned that when I lived in Branson because many of the roads around there followed the buffalo trails. You've heard about the cow trails or the pig trails, but up there it was the buffalo trails. And they'd been there for centuries, and when they put the wagons through, that's the road the wagons followed, and after them, the cars followed it. And if you drive some of those roads, you will know it. Uh, now, it's not that way between uh, Highway Branson and Highway, uh, going up Highway 65 and, and uh, up to Springfield. <laughs> no, they, they blew the mountaintops off and filled in the valleys. They made a road where no road had ever been before in many ways. Uh, it was a tough way to build a road, but they got it done. The Jericho Road then followed that ancient path. It was there in Jesus' day. It's still, for the most part, there today. We know they were on that road because the Bible says specifically that they had come through Jericho and were on their way to Jerusalem, which means they were on that Jericho Road. Jerusalem is a mountain city. Jericho, like the whole Jordan River Valley, actually lies below sea level. It is so far down below sea level that Jericho has a subtropical climate year-round. You could be in cold weather up in Jerusalem. By the time you got to Jericho, it was shirt sleeve and short time. I mean, it, uh, Jericho uh, doesn't get cold. It was subtropical climate. Very hot down there the day we were there. I've never forgotten that journey on that Jericho road. I can close my eyes and see it still. It's a beautiful place, such an unusual part of the world. But what a great place it was for a blind man to meet Jesus. After all these years, we still read the story with a certain degree of incredulity. Here was this blind man. Uh, he had no idea that this day was going to be any different than any other day. He did not go there and position himself thinking that he was going to have an encounter that day with Jesus. And a lot of you maybe have that same kind of testimony. And some of you folks watching at home maybe have that same kind of testimony. There was a day when you met Jesus. You didn't know you were going to meet him that day. <laughs> he knew he was going to meet you. Uh, Bartimaeus was going about his business. He was a beggar. That's all he was. But suddenly he heard that Jesus was coming. And he began to cry out. The Bible tells us that many, many warned him to be quiet. I can't prove this for you, but most commentaries say that most of those many were missionary Baptists. They, uh, <laughs> they, they don't say that. Okay, I made that up. Uh, but uh, we certainly identify with the feeling. Uh, I grew up where you were told, and many of you did too. You were quiet in church. You could say Amen. Or you could sing, that's it. And you didn't move around much either. Y'all remember those days. Um, they told him to be quiet. But as he was told to be quiet, he, he got louder and louder. And suddenly Jesus called for him. I never read this that it doesn't just jump out at me. This man, of course, had a robe that he wrapped around himself. Uh, and... Uh, uh, nothing doing. <laughs> it's time to go to Jesus. And he threw his robe away. It didn't mean he was naked. He just threw his outer robe away. 
and went straight to Jesus. Nothing to hold him back. Nothing to slow him down. This was his opportunity and he was not going to let it pass. You have to admire that about Bartimaeus. How many people are there in this world that say to Jesus, not today. Not now. Some other time. <laughs> not Bartimaeus. Jesus is calling you. He got up and went. We can learn one great thing tonight. If we don't hear anything else, we can learn this one great thing. And I hope you hear a lot more. But you can learn this. A time to go to Jesus is when Jesus is calling you. The Bible tells us that no man, Jesus said it. No man can come to me except the Father who has sent me should draw him. There's a work of the Holy Spirit that convicts us and tells us that it's time to respond to the gospel. Time to receive Jesus Christ. And when we are feeling that sense of conviction, when we hear the message of the word of God calling us to Jesus, the appropriate response is yes. Jesus is calling you. Go to him. Jesus gave you a wonderful invitation. He that cometh unto me, he said, I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that a great passage? Come to me. I'm not going to shun you. Come to me. I won't run you off. Come to me. I will in no wise cast you out. What a great promise. Be of good cheer. Rise. He's calling you. And then comes that great question. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? This is such a personal, such an appropriate question. Perhaps we can all identify with it tonight. It's, it's amazing that the question is asked. And it's not surprising that the answer was given the way that it was. There are many situations in our life, perhaps, where we are called upon to consider the question. If you could have one wish, one desire, one prayer, one thing that you could ask for, and you would know that that one thing would be granted, what would you ask for? If you could ask for something and know that you'd get it, what would you ask for? See, whatever we'd ask for tells us a lot about our character, what's in our heart. Would you ask for a billion dollars? Would you maybe ask for something that money can't buy? Health for a child, spouse, some other loved one, a repaired relationship. If you could ask for anything and know that it would be granted, what would you ask for? Would you want to be young again? <laughs> That's easy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Mm -mm. I've learned too much and come too far to go back now. I don't want to have to travel this way again. Uh -uh. Too close to heaven. Think of the famous occasion when God visited with Solomon. And him just a child and gave him that opportunity. In the night, God did appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give you. 
And you remember what Solomon asked for. He said, I'm just but a child. Whom I to lead this great nation? I need knowledge and wisdom so I can go in and out before this people. I, he had a great task ahead of him. And he didn't need to know what to do and how to do it. The Bible tells us that what he asked for pleased God. And because he didn't ask for a lot of other things that he could have asked for, God says, I'm going to give you all those too. And he did. Knowledge and wisdom and wealth and honor and power. Ask me what you will. Bartimaeus wasn't given that kind of leeway by the Lord Jesus. Uh, he was crying out to Jesus, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stopped and asked him what he was doing all that crying about. What do you want me to do for you? Why are you calling out to me this way? You know and I know that Jesus already knew what was in his heart. So to ask him this question perhaps was, I, I, you know, I, I, it was for his benefit. It was for our benefit. He wanted us to see. He was asking him, what was in your heart? And what was in his heart was simple. He wanted Jesus to heal his eyes and give him his sight. That's it. That's all he asked for. Couldn't help but think of the man who was lying by the pool at Bethesda. And there he was for all of those years. And when Jesus talked to him, what did he say? I, I need somebody to put me in the pool. I don't have anybody to help me, and, and I can't move around much. So when the, when the time is right for us to get in there and be healed, he said, I, I can't get it. Somebody always gets there before me. There was the one who could heal him completely and totally. But he didn't ask that. Bartimaeus did. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you want? I want to be healed. Of my, I want my blindness to be healed. I want to be able to see. If you think that Bartimaeus perhaps had heard that Jesus healed blind people, <laughs> you're probably right. No doubt that story of the healing of the blind man in the temple was going to, certainly going to get around and, and uh, many other occasions that Jesus had healed the blind. I think about the time that uh, just, uh, there were different ways that he did it. But Bartimaeus had heard, Jesus can help blind people. Maybe it's my time. Like I said, you just have to admire Bartimaeus. He's, he's just one of the Bible characters that stands out to me. Because he kept on crying. He kept on crying. He knew that this was a moment that he could not let pass by. Here's a blind man. That's me. There's Jesus. He heals blind man. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He got what he asked for. We'll approach this great passage then tonight to learn from Bartimaeus. Because not everybody who asked Jesus for things got what they asked for. We think immediately about the thousands who followed him looking for bread. He had fed them one day with five loaves and two fishes. 
They were back the next day to get fed again. He didn't feed them. Think about Herod, the king. Jesus stood before him and Herod asked for a miracle. He wanted to show, I hear you work miracles, show me one. Jesus wouldn't even speak to the man. Didn't answer him. He didn't do what Herod wanted. There were many others, no doubt, who wanted things from Jesus that he didn't do. But Bartimaeus, here's the example of someone who asked and received. Of course, we have to consider the words of James when he told us that sometimes we ask and receive not because we ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lust. We'll talk more about that later. But here's a guy who asked, and he was given the assurance that he would get what he asked for. Out of this end tonight, I want to ask us all, and by us, I mean us, you and me, I want to ask us, all you folks at home, three simple questions. First question is this, what do you want from Jesus? If Jesus were to stand before you tonight and say, what do you want me to do for you? be an incredible question it's a very probing question one that goes directly to our hearts what what do you want me to do for you I couldn't help but think this week about uh, the, what used to be the Miss America pageants I guess they're still on I don't know I, I haven't watched one in years and on the last one I watched, I only watched because I had a wife and two daughters at home. That tells you how long ago it was, and, and they were involved in pageants. But I remember that question time that comes down at the end where they always ask them some question. And, and it would be some question like this, and the answer would always be the same. World peace. I want peace for the world. Well, I'm not talking about what, what you want for the world tonight. I'm not talking about what you'd want for America what you'd want for our church, what you'd want for our community. What do you want? What about you? What do you want Jesus to do for you tonight? And that uh, would show us much about what's in our heart and what truly matters to us. You know, the psalmist addressed this long ago when he said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding." In all thy ways acknowledge him, he shall direct thy paths. You trust the Lord then, if you call upon him, he'll give you the desire of your heart. There's something about this, about uh, knowing that when our hearts are truly full of the Lord Jesus Christ, then what we would want most would be more of him. Remember what Paul said? I am forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things that are before. And I, I stretch then for the mark of the high calling, the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. What did he want? He said that I may know him. Paul, you already know him. Yeah, but he wanted to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. I want to know Jesus and his death and his life. In his resurrection, I, 
I want to know more of Jesus. It's a probing question, you see. What do you want? It's a very, very personal question. The answer to that question for you would be as unique to you as your fingerprint. But it's a very promising question. The very fact that Jesus asked it implied that he was ready to do what he was asked. The offer that he made to him, what do you want me to do for you, did not change Bartimaeus's request. Well, hey, if you say, what do you want me to do for you, let me think this over a minute. You know what? He had the same answer to that question then as he had five minutes before when he heard Jesus was coming and he started hollering at him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now he's got an audience. What's on his mind now? Same thing it was then. Oh, Lord, that I might receive my sight. What do you want from Jesus? What do I want from Jesus? What do you want? What do I want Jesus to do for you? I could just pause here for a few moments. It would get uncomfortable for a while. Pulpit silence is worse than radio silence. It would get uncomfortable real quick. Somehow I wish we all could just ponder that question for a moment. What do we want Jesus to do for us? Hmm. The second question comes right on the heels of it. How badly do you want it? How badly? Do you want it? What do you want Jesus to do for you? And then question number two, how badly do you want it? We see that in the case of Bartimaeus because he was yelling and hollering, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody told him to, to stop. No doubt they were telling him he's making a spectacle of, your, of yourself. It's not appropriate. It's not the right thing to do. But is what we want from Jesus enough tonight to cause us to disregard, listen, disregard public opinion? I know, listen, when I was a kid, and you know how long ago that was, I remember hearing preachers preach about peer pressure. And I really thought it was ridiculous. Oh, I don't, I don't pay any attention to peer pressure. I, I honestly have to say to you tonight, after all these many years looking back on the way we grew up, you have to understand, so many of our choices were not really open for discussion. I didn't get to choose what kind of pants I wore. It wasn't about designer jeans. It was just the jeans mama and daddy bought me and gave them to me and said, here, wear these. There was never any question. I, I might could ask for a certain brand of shoes. I might get them, but might not. I mean, the kind of clothes that we wear, designer labels, those kind of things weren't there. I mean, it just, I know it was a different world, but we did not have a lot of the kinds of peer pressure I think that you kids do today. And I want to tell you something. And I'd put my glasses on so I could see your eyes. If I could, I hope you're listening because kids listen to me tonight. We don't have a lot of you here, but some of you are. Public opinion. The opinion of your peers 
Will you go against the opinion of your peers in order to get what you need from Jesus Christ? Will you go against the opinion of your peers to cry out to Jesus, to seek Him, to seek Him in your life? Will you stand for Jesus Christ if your peers are ridiculing you and putting you down? They make fun of you. If they call you a hater because you're standing for Jesus Christ, will you keep standing? What do you want Jesus to do for you? How badly do you want it? Do you want it enough to ignore public opinion? I'm not going to just talk to our kids today because this applies to all of us. Social media and social influence is putting incredible pressure on us in ways that we don't even know. Will we disregard public opinion when everybody starts shaming us and putting us down? Will we still seek for what we know we can get only from the Lord Jesus Christ? Will we stand for him? Will we stand with him? What do we want Jesus to do for us? How badly do we want it? Do we want it enough to disregard public opinion? Secondly, do we want it enough to discard personal obstacles? I mentioned this passage this morning uh, uh, where the writer of Hebrews called on us to lay aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us. There are a lot of things that hinder us. A lot of things that might be in the way. Sometimes they're rather trivial things. But even though they might be trivial things, they can become things that will stand between us and getting what we know we need from Jesus and what is available from no other place. It's easy to allow the personal things, our personal possessions, our personal preferences to get in the way. It can happen to me. It can happen to you. Will we discard these things if we know that they are hindering us in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? Bartimaeus did. He had a need that only Jesus could fill. And so he disregarded public opinion that told him to be quiet. He discarded personal obstacles as he threw off the cloak that would have hindered him. <laughs> he wanted to be able to move as fast as he could. I don't know how fast a blind man could move. But this one was going to do everything he could to go straight to Jesus. What do you want Jesus to do for you? How badly do you want it? Last question. What will you do with it? What would you do with it if you got it? Jesus, no, don't miss this. Jesus said to Bartimaeus in verse 52, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Say, well, when did Bartimaeus show his faith? Well, he showed his faith when he called out on Jesus. And he showed his faith when he called him the son of David. That meant he was the Messiah. Bartimaeus had believed on him. His belief on him would have gone right on, no doubt, had Jesus not healed him. Because he had professed his belief in Jesus as a Messiah before he got healed. 
Go your way, he says to him. Your faith has made you whole. There's a classic passage and a great sermon that goes with it in the book of Acts. It goes to the time when, when, when the disciples were in prison and, 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 and they were released. And the Bible says, and being let go, uh, they went to their own company. And the, the classic sermon is, where do you go when you're let go? Some of you are saying out there right now tonight, well, preacher, if you'll let us go, I'll show you. <laughs> you know, I understand. Let my people go. Where do you go when you let go? Jesus said, go your way. And for the first time in his life, listen to me tonight, for the first time in Bartimaeus' life, the world was set before him. He got around by himself. He got around on a very familiar path that he no doubt uh, went along with a stick that he tapped his way along. He went where people took him. And he had a very limited part of the world that he was able to hang around in. But for the first time in his life, with his eyesight open, he can go anywhere and do whatever. We might expect him to Want to go see somebody? Want to go tell somebody? Want to go talk to somebody? Where do you go when you're let go? For the first time in his life, he can go wherever. Totally set at liberty. Go your way. And immediately he received his sight and what? He followed Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Been let go. He could go anywhere. He could do anything. But what he got, listen to me tonight, enabled him to follow Jesus Christ. I think if we miss that, we miss the point of this whole story. You see, Jesus gave him what he asked for, he gave him what he needed. So that he could follow him. I'm not going to speculate tonight. About what would have happened. I don't don't think had Bartimaeus uh, gone somewhere else. That Jesus would have took the miracle back. He didn't do that for the nine lepers. That never came back to say thank you. Ten were healed. One gave thanks. Nine didn't get their leprosy back. But in this case, I think it is very prominently put on display for us that Jesus gave Bartimaeus what he needed so he could follow him. And so this is the question that we ask ourselves tonight. What would we do with what we got? What do you want Jesus to do for you? How badly do you want it? What would you do if you got it? We've thought about this question. Well, what would I ask for if Jesus promised me that he would do anything for me that I wanted him to do? Would what I asked for, if he gave it to me, would it make me a more devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Or would I take it and run for the hills? Would I take it and go away from him? Would I take it and and squander it like the prodigal son? righteous living would I would I take it and use it just all for myself it was not a coincidence you see that I asked you tonight when I said well 
if you could ask that, if you could wish for one thing, ask for one thing in the world and know that it would be granted, what would you wish for first thing? I said, a billion dollars. See, the reason I ask about that, I'm not saying that was on my heart of what I would ask for, is because I did think about it. What if the Lord gave me a billion dollars? Would I keep preaching? Would I keep pastoring? Would I keep trying to serve the Lord and serve people? Would I just retire? I don't know. I'd like to tell you tonight, well, listen, I'm doing what I love, and I do. I, if I know what's in my heart, but you know, I, you don't know until you cross that line. What would you do? Don't know. But I know one thing. Jesus knows. <laughs> Jesus knows. He knows what we'd do with what we got. If it's in our mind to say, well, I want my help back, what would you do with it? If you're thinking about somebody else, well, I want them to be healed, what would they do with it? What do you want Jesus to do for you? How badly do you want it? What would you do with it if you got it? Now, the thing is, we're not left really to wonder because the answer to that question in many ways is found with what we have already done with what Jesus has already given us. And that's a tough thing for me to say and it's a tough thing for me to hear. The answer, what would we do with what he gave us is what we're already doing with what he's already given us. If he gives us more time, we're likely to spend it very much like we are already spending our time. If he gives us more help, we'll likely do with it what we did before. If he gave us more resources, more energy, more talent, to see if we're not using what he's already given us for him and for his glory, to serve him and his kingdom, what would make us think that we would suddenly change and start using it if he gave us something else. The story of Bartimaeus is an incredible story. I love what played out on the Jericho Road so long ago. There is indeed room for just two. No more or less, just Jesus and you. All the other people in that scene, and there were people there, and they had a role to play. Did you notice that Jesus commanded Bartimaeus to be called? If Jesus could hear Bartimaeus, you'd kind of think Bartimaeus could hear Jesus. Why didn't he just yell at him? Hey, Bartimaeus, I'm right here. Come over here, follow my voice, come to me. He could have done that. He sent people after him. Maybe it was just because he was blind. Maybe there was another reason that Jesus prefers to work through people. I don't know. But in this incredible story with so many other things going out, all the people telling them to be quiet, all the disciples around, others indeed had a role to play, but at the end of the day it came down to just this. Jesus at Bartimaeus. 
what do you want me to do for you? What would you do with what you got? What would you do with what you got? How badly do you want it? I hope tonight these are questions we can all pose. For us as believers, certainly it has maybe a different answer than it does for those who do not know Jesus Christ. Because if there's one tonight, maybe just tuned in by accident, you're on YouTube, maybe somebody invited you to be there, and it may be years before you hear this message. And you've heard it, and back in 2021, or 20, whatever year this was, <laughs> 2021, uh, uh, somebody preached this, and now I'm just finding it. If you don't know Jesus Christ, what you need from him, whether you know it or not, what you need for him is for him to save you of your sins. Because the Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the time of the year where we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. And the fact that he gives life then to those who call upon him. I've already told you tonight that he that cometh to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. What you need tonight is for Jesus to be your Savior. And if you'll ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save you, he will. What you're feeling right now in your heart is not the power of human persuasion. It is the power, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. He is being lifted up and he is drawing you to himself. Won't you respond? Follow Bartimaeus' example. He's calling you. Jesus is calling. Run to him. We're going to stand together at this service and we're going to pray and sing. I hope you'll think about these things as believers. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Let's stand together, please.